everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast. It's your girl, Sandra, here to talk about, man, the whole ass year, honestly. And I couldn't do it alone. No one can ever do it alone. Uh, we're going to recap Chicago Red Stars 2018 season. We're doing a special edition year in review. And uh, I'm here with a couple of guest colleagues. It's not just my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. the Scanning Originator. How are you doing tonight, Claire? I'm doing all right. I mean, it's off-season, so I'm losing my mind. But uh, I'm happy to be here with you guys to uh, talk about the Red Stars for the last time in uh, possibly uh, 2018. Yeah, possibly the last time in 2018. And had to invite our fearless leader, our editor-in-chief over at Hot Time in Old Town, the fabulous James Richard Gordon. How you doing tonight? Hey, thanks for having me on. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be here helping to, to confront the whole ass. Um, because if we're, if we're going to do the whole ass, you know, it's, it's, you, know you, you want a group effort, you know, lift with your legs. Yes, yes, yes. It was quite, quite the season for sure. And uh, I'm really glad that we can all do this together. Uh, I got to start off kind of simple. Hopefully this is just like the icebreaker and then we'll just start getting our ramble on. But if I could ask each of you for a one sentence statement of your feelings on the season overall, what would it be? Maybe the real scam was the friends we made along the way. This was the best team Chicago has ever had. Cosign on both on mm-hmm. both standpoints. Uh, hard I, agree. Yes, hard agree. Would say best team that Chicago has ever seen in its NWSL history, and would also agree definitely went from scam gang to fam gang. Absolutely. Um, but as far as this season and how it ended it's not an ending that people who follow the red stars are unfamiliar with this team ended up sort of going through all these trials and tribulations like during this first half of the season right going through a lot of things and then they still found their way into the semifinal and semifinal ended up sort of ending in a similar fashion that we're used to seeing but I want to know from both of you, sort of, what are your feelings about the season's end in 2018 versus the season's end in 2017? I mean, we talked about this uh, a little bit, I think, on the last episode. Um, it does feel di- it feels different in a, a number of different ways. One being that um, the game itself felt very different. Um, North Carolina was a force that was not (laughs) essentially going to be reckoned with at some point. Um, But Chicago probably played their best game of the season in the semifinal, which I think is the first time they've ever done that. Um, The other way it feels different is that uh, I think after last year, we knew who was about to leave like immediately. Like, and it would be like pretending to act like we thought for any reason that, that roster was going to be the same in the following year. 
Whereas after this game, uh, we have no reason to believe that there's going to be major shakeup to what Chicago's doing, which is an entirely different feeling to what we had last year. Yeah, I co-sign on on all of that. And um, I don't know. As recently as like back in June, I, I was sort of emotionally preparing for the Red Stars to not make the playoffs because the first half of the season was just so hard. We, you know, there were so many people injured and the results weren't going our way. I was just, you know, I was psyched for the worst. I was, you know, thought, you know, if we don't make it this year, that's fine. We'll rebuild. We'll be back in 2019. It'll be fine. And so the fact that they rallied in the second half of the season was was like such an emotional roller coaster. And then we got to the playoffs, and they they, they finished the season so well, you know, not counting the, the loss to Utah. Um, and I, I started to think like maybe we could do this because in previous years I thought we got to the semis, but we kind of limped in there. And I thought like, well, it's probably not going to happen. That's fine, whatever. This year, I really thought we had a chance. Even though it's North Carolina, even though it's North Carolina, I really thought that maybe maybe we could scam something out of it. I don't think it's being disrespectful to the other teams in the 2018 NWSL postseason to say that um, the Chicago-North Carolina semifinal was probably the best game played in the playoffs um I you know for you know for better or for worse like I, I there's no disrespect to any of the other teams but I think that that was the best game and I think that it reflected just how well Chicago was playing at that time and also just how fucking good North Carolina is like I don't want to take anything away from them and also but in the same way I don't want to take anything away from Chicago for losing to them because what can you do? Sometimes you lose to the best American club team of all time. Yeah, it happens. And we gave them a fight is the thing. Like, we, we, we gave them a run for their money. Honestly, and again, no disrespect to the Thorns, we put up more of a fight against North Carolina than Portland did. I, um, yeah, just picking back off of that, I know, Claire, you and I, we talked about this, how we were in Portland for a little bit, and we got to participate in that media day and talking to uh, some players on the Courage side, uh, specifically uh, Abby Irseg and uh, Samantha Mewis. They talked a lot about how Chicago has sort of become this team um, that they have kind of a healthy rivalry with, not like a bitter or anything like that. It's honestly a very professional healthy rivalry where they feel the Red Stars are this sort of team that constantly uh, pushes them and challenges them to be better. And even more so in that semifinal that you're talking about, it's a semifinal match. It's a second to last match before you can lift, you know, the trophy and, and, and claim the crown that even in a match like that, they were still asking questions of themselves as a team. So they, they were very uh, complimentary to the Red Stars as a whole as a team. And I agree that, that it was probably some of their best soccer that we saw all year. And in it, you sort of throw that whole kind of what if out there where you're just kind of like, you know, what if this team maybe sort of had another three to four weeks left together? Like who would we have seen? And uh, I don't know if you guys want to weigh in on this, but just sort of seeing the Red Stars, evolve towards the second or into that second half of the season uh going on this sort of unbelievable streak of you know getting those three draws against top tier teams 
in Carolina, Seattle, you know, Portland, and then locking things up more or less against Orlando, you know, essentially eliminating them and making their path much more clear to the semifinal. And then this culmination of soccer that we saw in the semifinal from the Red Stars where so many people have gone on record saying that it's some of the best soccer that they've seen. And uh, it makes me wonder a little bit about uh, some of the credit for the coaching staff, uh, you know, Rory Dames and Gary Kearney and, and Craig Harrington and, and sort of what they have put together as a coaching staff for this team. And Rory Dames has sort of become this enigma in the NWSL where I feel like he's this coach that's not going to be given that kind of credit. Would you say he's a puzzle wrapped in an enigma, wrapped in a hoodie? I would say that. Yeah, I think um, I think the Rory question is an interesting one in a number of ways. One being that in the NWSL, I think um, – the persona of the coaches are a little bit like over over discussed in that um we're used to them not having staffs like we're used to them not having having like uh institutional support so we very much uh get dive into the cult of persona with the coaches a lot because we assume that they're doing everything on their own um which to a certain extent is true a lot of the time and has been true for Rory in the past the fact that this team was able to expand their staff this year is probably the largest growth they've ever seen within the context of this league uh yeah just a piggyback off of that I don't know JB if you remember or if you, either of you guys remember but in the off season leading into this year I, I had an interview with Arnhem and Though that was part of what he said was uh, part of their vision in the off season was that after losing that semifinal against Carolina in 2017, there was a lot of emotion. There was a lot of heartbreak and uh, everybody from the front office to the coaching staff to the players just needed time to just sort of come down from that. And then once everybody sort of was given that time, they came together and they wanted to reach out and see like what, could benefit this team moving forward. And I think some of the feedback that they got was, you know, sort of what you were talking about, Claire, like expanding, you know, the the staff and stuff like that and um, having more coaching. And then I think maybe they thought they were just going to get like a, a first assistance and then, and then they ended up getting two. So I think um, it's that was one of the huge benefits, I think, and the big changes that we saw this year for 2018. Yeah, for sure. Um, I... Um, I, and I give them a lot of credit for realizing in, in this in this past off season that what they were doing wasn't working. That you know, um, and I'm just talking like or you know, the organizational stuff is is very nuanced. But even just on the pitch, they realized that Route One wasn't going to work anymore. Their get the ball to CP two three wasn't going to work anymore. Not least because everyone knew she was leaving. So it's and and I think like a more dysfunctional organization would have said well there's something we can do or they thought the solution was well we just need to find a one-for-one replacement for Chris and Press um but credit to the Red Stars organization they realized that no we actually have to change everything we have to change how we play we have to change how you know 
how like training is run and we need to we need to do some serious organizational reform here so we can get and you know and it's hard to to point to because this season we also finished fourth again and then we also went out in the semifinals so like if you just look at it on paper it doesn't look like there was progression but if you watched games it's clear that this was a a very different team we were playing possession football (laughs) It was lovely. I ah, so yeah. I mean, it, 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 despite finishing fourth, despite going on the semis again, this was in by any objective measure such a stronger, more coherent season, and it was. Yeah, it was it was great to see, and it, and you know, and and you talked to Arnim about it earlier this year, and this is exactly what you guys talked about in that interview and it was it was it was really good it was really good to see and it was really relieving for the organization to look see we have these problems we need to solve them and then they actually did it or at least made good progress toward it i feel like at the end of 2017 with that semifinal loss that there was a hint or an aura or a feeling of oh no what does this mean and what comes next versus this year and 2018 in that semifinal loss there's less of that and more of I can't wait to see what's next and I want to ask I asked you Jay because I, I remember sort of ha- uh, feeling that and when we did a sort of a round table for hot time last year it was you myself and and, and Ralph who was a part of our, the Red Stars desk at the time and you had pitched us that question what does this mean for somebody like Rory Dame? So I want to ask you, what do you think? For next year? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, um, I think Rory took a lot of risks this, this year um, by, you know, by by acquiescing to Chris and Press wanting out. There wasn't a whole lot anyone could have done to stop her, but I think, like, they could have made it a much more painful transition than it was. Um, and then also, you know, the Sophia Huerta, Sam Johnson trade was also like a huge gamble, but it paid off. And after, after the dust settled on the roster, you had, you know, and Claire's talked about this too. Like you had all this buy-in from the squad and that made all the difference. So I think, you know, I think again. I think Rory took a lot of risks, and I this season, and I think, and I feel like they paid off, and so I think that you know, I don't think he's going to get fired. I would agree with your assessment, and I also want to just give major, major props to the players because I think I was asked a lot over the course of you know because I was in Portland for the playoff with Chicago versus Carolina, and I stood all the way through to the final, and I was asked a lot. I was pitched this question a lot about by different media and, and other soccer related folks while important. And I was sort of asked, you know, what is this team? What was the turning point for this team? And it, and it absolutely was, I, I really do believe it was that trade. It was, a, it was a huge turning point and huge, huge credit to the players for falling on the side of sp- choosing to be unified and pushing forward through all of that adversity because the other option was to literally just fall apart at the seams and they didn't they ended up winning games and they ended up 
grinding out games and getting a lot of draws, and they literally fought themselves into the postseason, and it was really awesome to watch. Yeah, and, and, and as a slight tangent, you know, we've seen what falling apart looks like in this league this season. We've seen it twice, um, and we, it, this very easily could have been maybe not exactly a Sky Blue situation, but it could have been really, really, really bad, and it wasn't. Everything worked out better than expected. I can't get over the road trip starting against North Carolina. No, 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 it was starting against Seattle. Seattle, then Portland, then North Carolina, and then Orlando. And you know what they didn't fucking do? Lose a goddamn game. (laughs) And in a way, like, draws are hard to write about like they're tough to like figure out the nuance in and all of that stuff but just like this is a team that decided at some point that they were not going to lose games and it was something at the end of the season that I just like don't think we've seen before and I love them for that one quick thing, too, to, 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 just to piggyback on that, this was the team deciding that they weren't going to just roll over. It wasn't one player. It wasn't Sam Kerr putting the back on her team and saying, fuck you, we're going to the playoffs. This was the entire team deciding collective, collectively, let's fucking do this. Just, ah, love this. I, yeah, I love no, this I team agree. so much. I totally agree. Uh, sort of being... Um, like I don't, I don't know. I guess sort of this beat writer for us at at hot time and and going to the games and um, talking to these players. That's that what was that's what was most telling for me was the message that was coming out of the locker room. No matter who you were speaking with, whether it was head coach and Rory Dames or whether it was somebody like Sam Kerr or somebody like Danny Colaprico or somebody like Vanessa D. Bernardo. Alyssa Motts, Aaron Gilliland. I'm just going down a list of players that I remember speaking with. Remember speaking with. All uh, of which is available on our SoundCloud page. End of the season. And they all said the same thing. The message was the same. They were all saying how they felt they were very unified. How this was one of the most special teams that any of them have been a part of. And it it just didn't matter whose name was on the back of that jersey because they were all talking about repping the crest on the front of it. And it was really, really awesome to to cover. Like some of us like joked about how cliched some of the whole trust the process thing sounded. But damn it, it worked. They bought in. Oh, man. It's like it's tough within like the larger landscape to have conversations about player loyalty and club development and and whatnot because there are so many factors to that and in a way that should be like taken into consideration because you can't just expect everyone to be all in all the time but um it speaks to a larger like conversation of if we want independent clubs to succeed in this league it has to look like this and I'm so excited to be writing about an independent club that is coming together in this way 
if you want independent clubs to succeed and also NWSL clubs in major metropolitan markets to succeed, I think you want them to, at the very least, try to shadow who the Red Stars are and what they look like. A team that's gone to the playoffs consecutive years in a row, build themselves up through the draft, et cetera, et cetera. And I just wanted to to, uh, uh, um, uh, touch on that point, too, about, like, you know, the the, the success of the Red Stars, of the success of an NWSL team in a major metropolitan market. Um, You know, at Hot Time, we also covered the Chicago Fire, the men's, you know, Major League Soccer outfit. Uh, And I write a lot about that when I'm not doing, helping out with Red Stars stuff. And, you know, Chicago is such a huge soccer town, and somehow, like, the fire relentlessly failed to capitalize on that. And I think, like, the fire are, are an interesting case study in what happens when you don't make the most of the market you're in um, to, 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 to really sell yourself and to build, like, you know, financial success, but also a community around yourself. And I, I think, like, the Red Stars, you know, you know, and, and and the Red Stars need to, uh, in, a, in a way, I think, like, having some kind of relationship with the Fire is good because they can look at, like, what the Fire are doing and be like, you know, let's not do this. Um, and, yeah, and, and like you said, it, it, you know, they're, um, yeah. I like that you had that comparison point sort of just, like, with, <laughs> with the Fire because I know I wrote that piece when we were doing our whole, like, the week of leading up to the playoff, we were like, let's have content every single day. And like everybody and who covers or has a role in sort of covering the red stars at hot time, everybody was on board with it. And I loved it. And, uh, I definitely (laughs) was talking about like other various (laughs) Chicago teams versus the red stars and how they literally are like the best team period. I'm going to ask you guys, um, since we're clearly in it, we are clearly <laughs> in it right now. We I'm are out ask, in these streets, as the kids say. Yes, I'm gonna ask if either of you have like a favorite game in particular, or a favorite goal that you saw this year, or just a favorite moment in general from the Red Stars in 2018. Yeah, I have two. Go. Two favorite goals, um, and they are Vanessa D. Bernardo's. <laughs> two goals on this season um, because they were exactly the same. That's why I like them is because they were um, built up exactly the same. Well, Sam Kerr assists. Yeah, 100%. Um, And it was where Di Bernardo created her own play in the midfield, uh, passed out of trouble, ran her – goddamn self up to the top of the box uh available for service which if i'm gonna be honest the season did not always come but in those two goals they certainly fucking did and uh the first one was against uh utah i think no yes yeah utah (laughs) i hope that's right um the second one was definitely against orlando um in probably the most important regular season game that Chicago had. And uh, it was the same thing where she was right there for a tap-in goal. Um, She's so good. And I wish that we lived in a world where international success, like, rated someone's ability to play soccer because she is hands down, in my opinion – the greatest uncapped American player playing right now. 
Word. I, I don't think you're gonna set it like any any better. Honestly, JB, do you have a goal or a favorite game or a favorite moment this um, season? So, uh, I think two of my favorite games happened toward the end. It was the win over Orlando and then the the five nil beatdown of Sky Blue. Um, I have two favorite goals. Uh, one was Michelle Vasconcelos's goal against Sky Blue in 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 garbage time. That was fun. Um, and then I think my other one. Um, I mean, I could also pick out pretty much any Sam Kerr goal from the season because they're all so good and so poachy and just ah. But I also have to pick out Danny Colaprico's goal against Utah way way back in freaking October uh, April in the um, scam gang era. Yeah, that was that was pure scam gang goodness and it i think that's where it started i think that's where scam gang really started scam gang started week one homie right oh yeah but i think i think that's when it started building really building ahead of when it like it legitimized yeah yes like it stopped being like an inside joke among all of us and when like the nwsl slack was like oh shit the scam is real (laughs) the scam is real wait I, i gotta shout out everybody all five of you who listen to this podcast I got to shout out all five of you listening to this podcast who actually uh, took Scam Gang and really just ran with it. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm just glad that the Red Stars honestly came through because they were really, really scamming. They in, did. In that the scam was good. The scam, scam was, was real, good. real good. I got to I gotta say, if I had to choose, like, I would agree that my favorite, maybe my, my favorite first half moment was probably that first game against North Carolina I thought that game was just phenomenal it was the game where I believe the three of us hung out for the first time we had Red Stars brunch Mm -hmm. and we recorded a podcast and Sam Kerr was finally officially like a Red Star It wasn't her first game as a Red Star but she got a goal against what we now know who we now know is the best team of all time but she got an opening goal, and it was like this goal that came out of nothing. It was like a goal that only Sam Kerr could have created and made. And then on the other end, you had somebody like Alyssa fucking Nair just playing lights out, just stopping everything in sight until McCall Zerboni had to get her say, which all due respect is McCall Zerboni because I got to give her, her her props and her dad. The girl is good. Uh, but that was probably my favorite uh, first half game. And then probably my second half uh, fave was probably that Orlando game as well. Because uh, not only was it an awesome result and the Red Stars more or less paved their way uh, to the semifinal, but also hung out with Claire to watch that game. And we hung out with Chicago Local 134 at AJ Hudson's to watch that game. And it was kick ass. Um, so those are probably my two favorite like sort of moments of 2018. I do. I also want to to uh, um, throw out one one uh, favorite moment of mine too. It was when uh, Sam Kerr threw shade on the referees after that draw in Portland. <laughs> yes, you're referring to the post game. <laughs> that was good. Yes, it was good, and I remember that because I was also at that game. I I went out and I made that trip to the <laughs> Pacific Northwest. And I was like, oh, I came out here and you're burning down. There was smoke everywhere. And the Red Stars got a draw that game, but they were upset because they were like, you know what? We should have won that game. I uh, Earlier today, before we all got together and just hang out and sit in our feelings about <laughs> soccer. We have so many feelings. 
the Southside Trap Podcast Twitter, which you can follow at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P, went ahead and asked again our five followers <laughs> who listen to this, who listen to this podcast about you know just wanted to check on on all the listeners because it's it's been a uh, an interesting couple of weeks uh, outside of soccer. If you know what I'm talking about, great. If you don't, <laughs> anyway, um, and. Just sort of wanted to check on people's wellness and ask, you know, just let them know that we're all getting together and talking about the Red Stars. And so I was like, you know, you should hit us up with your favorite Chicago Red Stars memories. And our homie John, who's a part of Local 134, uh, mentioned that their favorite moment was when the Red Stars went into the half versus Orlando up 2-0 and basking in the afterglow of the DiBernardo goal. And after getting draws against top teams, it made me rosy about our postseason chances. Never saw our players playing so well. Which I think we all agree that, I mean, we all pretty much had the same feeling about that Orlando game. It's definitely up there. And I'm going to give a shout out to our other friend, homie and colleague, Mr. John D. Halloran, who basically said that his favorite memory of the season was when I was on ESPN. Har, har, har. He's totally making a reference about uh, when Julie Ertz was having all of the cameras follow her every move, and they included some footage of post-game Chicago Red Stars scrums, and you very clearly see the back of my head, which is ridiculous, if I might add. So shout out to my mama for giving birth to a ridiculous back of the head. Uh, so yeah, thanks everybody for chiming in with your favorite memories of 2018, and part of like the fun of wrapping up seasons, no matter how they end, is that you get to talk about this kind of stuff. And the Chicago Red Stars themselves as an organization always get on the fun at the end of the year, and they have their team awards. And for 2018, they announced the following awards, and we're gonna talk about those with you guys. So for a combo of MVP and Golden Boot, Samantha Kerr got those honors. For Defender of the Year, it went to the great Katie Naughton, Chicagoland Katie Naughton. And I also want to add that Katie Naughton winning this award is a huge deal because the other player who has typically won this award and won it three consecutive times in a row has been Julie Ertz. And Katie Naughton, I think, could be on a path to becoming that type of player. Uh, for Goal of the Year... It was Danny Colaprico, your favorite goal, JB, for that <laughs> for that awesome uh, goal in Utah. And then we had a couple of draws because this would not be the Chicago Red Stars if you didn't have draws for even the damn team awards. And for Unsung Hero, you had both Yuki Nagasato and Danny Colaprico, which I absolutely agree with because they were not on either of the best first team or second team and we had some feelings about it but Chicago knows what's up and they are the unsung heroes for 2018 and then probably my favorite award final award is the iron woman of character which also ended in a draw so it's iron women of character and I have to shout out and maybe give a little background to this award real real quick because these the Chicago Red Stars team awards, if, if people don't know, every team does this. Any team in the NWSL has, like, end-of-the-season awards. 
but I, I appreciate the Chicago Red Stars for sort of mixing up their awards uh, every year. They've kind of changed over the course of the year. Every once in a while, there has been Rookie of the Year. Like, we didn't see that <laughs> this year, for example. Um, there was Rising Star Award. Katie Naughton actually got that last year. Um, and there's actually been, um, like, a Community Service Award, which I kind of wish they would bring back, really. I, I like the Community Service Award. For people who don't know, uh, NWSL athletes... Um, within their contract, they have to do 24 hours of community service. It's just something that's in there. And I would really love for that to actually be back. I would love for every team to sort of talk about the community service that their players do. So uh, if y'all listening, bring back that community service team award, talk about that kind of stuff. Um, but for Iron Woman of Character, that sort of came about in 2015. And it honored the great Lori Kalupni former forever captain Lori Kalupni and it came about after Lori Kalupni was the team MVP for the prior years and then 2015 came around and I believe Kristen Press ended up getting MVP the year I can't really remember but it didn't matter because Lori Kalupni ended up getting that Iron Woman of Character and thus Iron Woman of Character was born and so for these two women to get Iron Woman of Character is a huge deal. Last year, I believe Alyssa Nair got it. And this year, Alyssa Motts and first year Red Star Nikki Stanton both received the honor of an Iron Woman of Character. So I just, you know, I'm happy with the results. I, guess I just kind of want to know, like, what you guys feel about all these awards. Well, I just want to, really quick, I just want to say that I think they should make a physical award for the Iron Women of Character, and it should be in the shape of the bi uh, bicep flex emoji. That should just oh, be yeah. it. Yeah. They, 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 all, they all really fit. And, and, and I really like that they gave Alyssa Motts like, a particular shout-out, because I, I, I love her. She's, she's, she's the Trent Alexander-Arnold of the Red Stars. And, yeah. <laughs> We got we got to make those comparisons every once in a while. Yeah, no, I I, I dig them. I I loved that. Uh, I I believe my initial reaction to the team awards were that uh, Sam Kerr combined for two, and of the five ish or six ish awards, there are two draws, and I just thought that it was peak Chicago Red Stars, and uh, I thought I thought that it was great, and I loved that there were multiple players chosen for each one but I really like that idea JB about the Iron Woman of Character sort of having an actual like award like a trophy like that could be really cool I like the idea of like the the arm flex emoji you know whatever let's just give them swords they could just have a straight up sword <laughs> and I'm like yeah no I, I love it it's let's give the rest of weapons that's great that's awesome it's a good idea yeah so I uh I, of course, wanted to bring back something that we did last year. Claire, you weren't part of the fam last year, but you are this year. And last year, with the official team awards, we at Hot Time did some additions to end-of-the-year awards. And we added some things like, you know, style icon, like which of the wrestlers had the best style. And I believe we gave it to Sarah Gordon and Sofia Huerta ended up getting, like, the runner-up for that, I, I think. And then, you know, we had, like, best social media follow. And I think it was, like, a combo of, like, Steph McCaffrey and Sam Johnson. 
we had uh probably my personal favorite was the chicago as fuck award so i think katie Naughton was chicago af and i kind of wanted to talk about those awards now instead of putting out a big long piece let's just talk about it on the pod and i wanted to get both of your input because these are truly the most important awards of 2018 and if you had any other ones that you think we should incorporate like i don't know maybe player most online and what you think so i'm gonna go let you go down the row and then you could just sort of name off who you think okay so all right i'm doing my full ballot which is terrifying okay this is not how i thought we were gonna do this but you know what you know what i'm like i'm feeling good i'm ready uh okay chicago af award uh i i have to give it to Casey Short just because like she's the best. She's Chicago AF. She's Naperville AF. But also she's just like this year she has um transcended Chicago perhaps on the international stage and in that way she is just like in within her own presence is Chicago AF. Most missed off the pitch award Yuki. Yuki is a player that has had managed minutes this year, rightfully, and it's that's all good. It's not bad, but like Sam struggles a lot when Yuki isn't on the pitch. So she is my most missed off the pitch award style icon. <laughs> I mean, it's got to be Sarah, right? Like Sarah <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> I mean, like, it's boring, but it's true. Like, she uh, she sets the tone. Most online. This is the one that I actually do, like, really have an opinion on. Um, so the larger media slash fan population awarded Emily Sonnet the larger NWSL mop award. Um, but for Chicago, for Chicago, I want... The angle is a little bit different for me. I would award it to one Danielle Colaprico. And here is why. She is your ride or die immediate like, comment, support system on the gram. She never misses a post. Every post is about how good you look or how fun the thing you did looked like it was. I am really impressed with the way you sort of analyzed that last award for most online. I think that's a really important part of being online is the support factor. Like, what is the point of being the most online player if you don't have a good online support system? And Danny Colaprigo absolutely is that. That that was awesome, Claire. I'm um I'm a little taken aback. I'm like, you know what, you just I think you just kind of unpacked what being online can be for some people. Sometimes it's not just about never logging off for the sake of content. Sometimes it's just n about never logging off for the sake of support. And I dig it. That's awesome. See, this is, this is, yeah. And I, that, that's, that's what a good defensive midfielder does. It supports you <laughs> online and offline. 
and that's awesome. I'm I'm gonna uh, give JB some more time to think, or you're ready. No, I'm ready to go. JB's ready to go. So let's let's hear what JB's got okay. for the most important awards. Um, I so. I mean, a lot of my picks aren't controversial. Chicago's fuck award. Um, I think I also have to go with Casey Short for a lot of the reasons that that Claire um, articulated. Um, most pissed off the pitch, I'm actually going to go with Vanessa DiBernardo. Uh, she was injured for part of the the early part of the season, and uh, I think that really stalled Chicago's attack. And this was before Sam Kerr got there. This was you know when they were still trying to figure things out, and I really felt like Deeb's absence was was very conspicuous and when we got her back it's like that's really when things started getting started improving in terms of like results on the pitch style icon i have you know sarah gordon again like I, I i think it's hard to argue against that and then most online i al- i also agree with 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 danny coloprigo but i also want to add you can say a lot with a twitter like sometimes it doesn't mean anything and sometimes it means a lot Danny Colaprico is a maestro with the Twitter likes. That she says a lot with the low key two in the morning Twitter like. Um, so I just want to uh, point that out that you know, you could say a lot with very little on so- on social media, and I think that has to factor in to her being named the most online player. So okay, so we've got. Uh, two votes for the Chicago AF award going to Casey Short for most m- player missed most off the pitch. We've got a Yuki Nagasato vote and a Vanessa DiBernardo vote. Style icon, both votes go to Sarah Gordon. And for most online, it sounds like we've got support for Danny Colaprico, but also some support for Sarah Gordon and Sam Kerr. Mm. So for me, I don't know if I'm gonna be a tiebreaker, but I'm definitely gonna be throwing some more names in the ring here because we all know that these are the most important awards of 2018, more than any MVP, more than any golden boot, anything. Certainly more than FIFA. Absolutely more than FIFA because we know we're gonna get ours correct. We will talk about these till we're blue in the face and the beer is gone. We will talk about them until we get them correct. <clears throat> so as much as I would love to make Chicago AF unanimous with the homegirl Casey Short, because I agree, Claire, with something that you said, saying that Casey Short has sort of transcended her presence out of Chicago and sort of on that national team pitch. And I think that was that couldn't have been more evident during Tournament of Nations when she subbed on into Bridgeview with that beautiful, beautiful hair and just came running on the pitch and to that amazing ovation, just like it was a full-on, like, Roris welcome and acknowledgement. And she's absolutely sort of transcended that. And she's taken, I believe, Chicago, outside of Chicago and not to the national team, which I think is, is a problem, is, is important, because you know what the United States national team can always need is some more Chicago, and that's Casey Short. So that being said, I'm actually going to throw in a name that people probably don't expect, but I'm going to say Nikki Stanton, and I'm going to tell you why. Nikki Stanton not only is a first-year Red Star and earned herself iron, <laughs> iron woman of character, 
but Nikki Stanton got to Chicago and must have fostered at least 17 dogs. <laughs> Between her and Sam Kerr, she gave so many dogs in Chicago a home. She is a full-on Chicago road dog, and I appreciate her so much for that. Nobody showed Chicago more love than Nikki Stanton by fostering the hell out of some dogs. I I mean, I can't argue with that. I, I cannot argue with that. I also want to, for people who don't know, and anybody can correct me if they're wrong, but I, I believe that Nikki Stanton is actually a Bulls fan, and she loves her some Jordan. So I really appreciate her for that, for loving and giving some respect to the Chicago Bulls and MJ23. And so the combination of dogs and love for Chicago ball, because ball is life in Chicago, and Chicago is ball. I am nominating Nikki Stanton, first-year Red Star, for the Chicago AF Award. Uh, for most missed off the pitch, I got to say, we we got a Yuki Nagasato, we got a Vanessa DiBernardo, and I agree with both of those. I think I'm going to be the person that just keeps throwing in different names, but I think I'm going to give Casey Short for this one. I feel like uh, I, I'm a huge fan of defense, and defense is one of my favorite things about any sport, really, whether it's soccer or basketball or goofy American football doesn't matter but uh, I felt that Casey Schwartz and her presence uh, was really really missed on that back line during the season and when it came back it was pretty evident um, what she brings to that back line so she's my player who's most missed uh, style icon I think this one's going to be unanimous I think Sarah Gordon is going to be the consecutive winner of the style icon award she won it in 2017 we're giving it to her again in 2018 shout out to sarah gordon who was on the south side trap podcast earlier this season and we actually talked about the shoe game we talked about some jordans and i always appreciate that because i love a good shoe game and she's got a good shoe game so shout out to sarah gordon you're gonna get that one unanimous across the board and uh, most online for me uh, i'm actually gonna give it to a player who was incredibly online, but probably in a way that people don't expect. Claire and JB, you both talked about being a supportive online friend. And I'm just gonna talk about being a sort of online unique personality. And for me, that was Yuki Nagasato. Yuki Nagasato was feeding us on the gram with things that we probably will still never even know about. Like there's some things on that gram that we're like, we don't know what's going on, but we're feeling it. And we would see Yuki Nagasato showing some interesting training habits and routines. She would be showing us how she got her kitchen on, like some of her, what she was feasting on and cooking up. And she would, I still don't know what's going on with the poop emoji, but I'm here for it. I don't know what's going on with the banana here for that too so Yuki Nagasato I think provided us a sort of online a most online personality in a way that we are not used to seeing in the United States and I really really appreciate it so for me most online the mop the most online player in Red Stars 2018 season is Yuki Nagasato I endorse that 100% yeah I'm convinced yeah Yuki is a woman of the world. Uh, she speaks through many different languages and also many different emojis. 
Oh, um, I, uh, uh, so I agree. Yes. Um, it's, it, one thing before, before we, we get into the, the, the brass tacks of like figuring out who, who wins what or figuring out draws, I, w- I want to talk about team efforts with, with being online. And we were talking about team cohesion, how together this, this, this squad was this year. And I think that also applies to being online. And for that, I think we have to, to give a shout out to the Red Stars party bus. Yes, I would agree. I think some of the best online content that the Chicago Red Stars as a team provided was via the party bus. The party bus is life, honestly. The party bus provided so much content that even one Mr. Rory Dames had to take a picture horizontally (laughs) and post it on Twitter and force everybody to break their neck and look at that Twitter pic. So, yeah, shout out to the party bus. That was that was a good, good time. And being online. Sometimes you got to use a lot of hashtags. And I think that was one of the things <laughs> that we had fun with the most this year was the use of the hashtags, which started in the preseason with the TTP, which we later found out was to trust the process. And I think if you're going to be a good head coach, you really have to utilize as many hashtags as you can. And we just saw these hashtags go from point A to point Z all the way through the end of the season and apparently into the off season because now we're at hashtag hate. And I just want to ask you guys what you think hashtag hate might be an acronym for. (laughs) I... I love it too much as a just hashtag hate to even want to figure out what it means. I don't want to know what it means. I want it to mean hate. Uh, but uh, yeah, there, there's there's been other like uh, uh, other thought processes, but I just like hate. Yeah, uh, Jacob Cristobal uh, with, with our friends uh, at Coffee and Valkyrie suggested it was have a tasty empanada, which I mean, I like empanadas. I can get on board with. Uh, I'm a huge fan of empanadas, so yeah, I enjoy that. But I also believe the the hoodies. Mm, Hoodies are totally essential. Hoodies are totally essential. And shout out to Nikita, a.k.a. Crypto Banana, a.k.a. Oh My God Banana, who made a meme of a hooded Rory Dames with the hoodies are totally essential i think i speak for everyone here when i say thanks banana same but i i'm kind of with claire on this one i wanted to just be hate (laughs) i would love it to literally not mean anything and just be hate uh and a bit of transparency for people who don't know uh, the Concacaf world cup qualifiers are taking place and i i wrote a piece about christina murillo and her story and it's an awesome story and you should go check it out on uh holler and it was for Holler Magazine Digital, and un- unfortunately, in this world that we navigate as soccer media, you don't always, you know, you have to deal with deadlines and stuff like that, and I was uh, slated to speak with Rory Dames a little bit about Christina Mario, but unfortunately, we just weren't able to get in touch, and it was absolutely my intention to go ahead and ask him about hashtag hate, but we just weren't you know, we never got around to it, which I, I kind of think is like a little bit poetic because 
here we are just taking our, our guesses at what it means. And some of us just want it to mean hate. And some of us want it to mean something about empanadas or hoodies. And, and I love it. But I, I really don't want this episode to end, you guys. I know we've been rambling. And thank you all for hanging in there if you're still even listening, all five of you. And the off season is officially underway. It's, it's in swing. We're getting announcements about W League, where a lot of NWSL players head off to go um, keep their fitness and maintain their playing time. And we've heard a couple of Red Stars are headed over there already. Danny Colaprico will be with uh, Sydney FC. She'll actually be reunited with Sofia Huerta. Shout out to Sofia Huerta, who they're all going to be in Sydney FC. And Yuki Nagasato is actually going to go to W League as well. And she's going to be with Brisbane Roar. And, um, you know, we might get a couple other announcements. And we'll see what happens. But that's part of being in offseason. You start hearing these things. You start trying to keep track of what's, ha what's happening with players on or off the pitch. And I don't know how I feel 100% about Yuki Nagasato going to W League. Uh, I hope she has a good time. And I hope she still posts some awesome Instagram stuff. And I think it would be, I mean, Sydney FC is kind of a powerhouse in W League. I think it would be kind of cool if we saw Danny Colaprico maybe lift the trophy, even if it isn't in another, in another league altogether. That would be wild. It would be low-key kind of heartbreaking in a little way. <laughs> that would, that would, oh, no. That would actually bum me out. Can you imagine if we saw Sofia Huerta and Danny Colaprico just, like, lifting a W League trophy? We'd be like, WTF. Would I'd be ruined. That would ruin me. Dude, but I'm just saying, like, okay, look, I'm sorry, guys, but this is what happens in the off-season. Your mind goes to places where you didn't expect it to go, and I'm not going to lie, like, it went there. Like, this news broke in the middle of the night, right, that Danny Colaprico and Sofia Huerta and, and Audrey Bledsoe of the Washington Spirit were going to go to Sydney FC, and, like, Sydney FC – made this crazy video graphic to announce it with lots of loud noises and all, all the all the respect in the world to Danny Colaprico but like they saved Danny Colaprico for last and her like bullet points were like boom Danny Colaprico boom has played a bunch of games with the Red Stars boom she knows Sam Kerr boom and I was like what <laughs> But, I mean, yeah, really, no, off-season feels so long. And this is the type of stuff that we, we start reaching. <laughs> we start reaching. <laughs> real motherfucking off-season hours. Who Yeah, up? real deep off-season hours. And you just start reaching for anything. And I know there's a ton of people out there who probably feel similarly where they're like, wow, I was so used to watching a certain type of soccer every week. And now that's not here anymore. And, and maybe they'll be invested in the W League. I know it's difficult for people because Australia and hours and time but we'll see what happens and we'll see if more red stars get announced and if people will be uh, invested uh the chicago red stars social media team has definitely been feeling it they threw out some pretty interesting content they did a mean girls day video which was fantastic i gotta say i think the best part might have been one of two for me i think the casey short is hair is insured for ten thousand dollars and the Alyssa Nair punched me in the face and it was awesome bit were probably, they might have been the best moments in that one. It was very good content. You know, we're, we're deep into the off season. It, it's, a, it's October. 
as soon as you know the holidays are over once january picks up i'm sure a lot of different things will will come in, into play as far as the picture and landscape of how nwsl is going to look for 2019 in a world cup year do you guys have any off-season wishes for the red stars and some things you would maybe like to see happen in the off-season this is very boring, but um, just consistency. I think we've already seen actually in this past week some instrumental moves to make sure that Chicago's roster is going to stay, stay the same. Um, I know that Chicago is a big draft kind of a team, and obviously it's like in our hometown this year. Uh, but they have a number one pick and they can do a variety of different things with that. And I'm excited to see how that value maybe plays out this year. Um, saying like, like I, I say that in like an anticipation of, and I'm saying this like, like no expansion, there isn't going to be any expansion. There's no expansion this year. So, um, the draft value is pretty much exactly as it is now, as it was when it was traded for. And um, tiny tweaks, little stuff. I don't want major roster shakeup. I think what we've got going on right now is really, really good, and I like it a lot. So that's where I'm at. JB, any off-season wishes? For the I, think, I think I feel about the same, All unless – Unless it is possible for us to get Lindsay Horan. If we can get her somehow without giving up too much, I'd be down with that. My favorite wishes are the deeply outlandish and radical wishes. Uh, I brought this question up because I remember, again, off season last year, I was going nuts and reaching for things to create content. And I made like a holiday wish list uh, for the Red Stars. And I named off all kinds of crazy stuff you made a a really awesome mention already of the nwsl draft which if people out there don't know it is going to be in chicago motherfuckers and we love us some chicago and we cannot wait for the draft to be in chicago because do you know who loves the draft the chicago red stars and uh we have a lot of thoughts and feelings about it that we are not going to tell you about right now at all because we've already rambled far too long. And we're nearly at the end of our, I believe, our beverage count. And we just want to hang out and, you know, just hang out with each other off the mic. So that's probably going to be some off-season content for you guys you're going to get. We might do some some draft talk uh, closer to, to January. So I just want to thank you both for taking the time to hang out with me, for sort of giving me these various outlets to talk about the Chicago Red Stars and spread the good gospel of the Chicago Red Stars in 2018 and hopefully beyond. So thank you both for being here tonight. Claire, for putting in work on this Southside Trap podcast pretty much like <laughs> for several weeks. And JB for just being uh, an awesome support supportive leader at hot time in old town and allowing claire and i to just pretty much have a home to put chicago's red stars content and i would love for you to plug yourself in your work and let the good people know where they can find you okay cool um well before i do that i just want to say that that um 
you know, there were times this season uh, working for a hot time was really awful, but none of those times had anything to do with our work on the Red Stars. And working with both of you covering this team this season has been an absolute dream. And at a time when I was even like really burnt out on soccer journalism, like you two really kind of renewed my faith in it. And just getting to work with the both of you has been a privilege and an honor, and I'm, I'm just so glad that we had this season. And uh, yeah, um, getting in our feelings, plug yourself. We have so many cry. feelings that we had to get through today, and we didn't even get all of them onto this podcast, but there are so many feelings. Um, okay, so uh, I help um, Cat Wrangle Hot Time in Old Town, so you can find us at hottimeinoldtown.com. Um, I'm also the web editor for. Howler Magazine, so you can check us out uh, at whatahowler.com. And yeah. You want to plug your Twitter or any other socials? Oh, right. Um, I'm at Thaumatropia on Twitter. Um, I um, It's hard to spell, um, but you could probably find in the show notes. For sure. Claire, you've been doing this outro for a long time, but you still got to let all of our five listeners know where they can find you and your good work. Yeah, um, most specifically, I guess, um, I'm playing a show at the Owl in Logan Square on Thursday, uh, Thursday, October 11th, um, if you'd like to come, yeah, it's at the Owl, we are opening for Slow Caves, which is also a very good band, um, you can find me on Twitter at Scout Ripley, which is the name of the band that is playing a show on Thursday night. So I guess everything is circular. Um, you can find my writing at Equalizer and Hot Time and, you know, now SB Nation proper. And also thanks to JB uh, at Howler. So uh, <laughs> that's all of my stuff, I think. Follow for cast. Scout. Oh, Ripley. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. You know what you should plug? You should plug Furcast. I mean, yeah. Furcast is also women's soccer, but also not at all. Just, like, talking. Just, like, if you're looking for a good, positive, like, podcast experience, Furcast is great. It's all of us just talking shit all the time. And y'all so. are very extremely online. <laughs> yeah. Extremely online. If, you, if you're into being online and you also follow the NWSL, you should listen and follow Furcast. You should also follow and support your favorite Chicago local band, Scott Ripley. They are awesome. If any of you downloaded the playlist that we made for the Chicago Red Stars playoff, Scott Ripley is featured on that playlist. And if you dug that one song, you will dig the rest of their tracks. Hang out and follow them. If you want to follow me and my shenanigans, you can do that on Twitter at Sandrera underscore. That's H-E-R-R-E-R-A underscore. If you want to continue to support the Southside Trap Podcast, you can do that by following along on Podbean. You can find us there. You can also find us on iTunes at Southside Trap Podcast. You should subscribe, give us a like, maybe give us a review, talk about how much you love Chicago and Chicago themes. You can give us a follow on Twitter at Southside Trap Pod with one letter P, Southside Trap Pod. Thank you all for hanging out with us this entire season. And listening to us ramble and rave and talk about the Chicago Red Stars. We really appreciate you and all of your support. Have a happy and safe offseason. Try to stay warm when it gets cold. And uh, Chicago's on the rise. 
just for the corn. 